atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman and Kirk Crosby live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This is the broadcast for February the 17th in the year of our Lord, 2020. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. The United States of America is our guide. We're also convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers were the grateful... I'm sorry, one of the greatest people restitution opportunities we have at our fingertips right now. That is the checks and balances that made America great. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. You know we're live six days a week. On the Sabbath, we rest two hours a day. Hard-hitting talk radio, all available at libertyroundtable.com. And our syndicated radio network, lovingliberty.net. Download the phone app. Listen on the Roku player for Liberty News Radio. I'm telling you, we're everywhere. If you are interested in hard-hitting talk and news the networks refuse to use, you're locked on to Liberty Roundtable Live. All right. <clears throat> Saturday's show, we talked about a nostalgic for the old Sunday newspaper. WND Weekly is an ad-free. The past review of the last seven days, WND.com. Check it out. Very interesting. We also talked about Hope Hicks, Trump's former communication director, returning to the White House as a senior advisor. So I recounted the history, the personal history we've had with Trump campaign spokeswoman Hope Hicks. If you want to get the breakdown on our personal interactions with Hope, check it out. Saturday's broadcast. Trump says he could support a gay president. He said, I think there'd be some that wouldn't. Shame on you, Donald. Uh, we believe in traditional marriage, sir, and you should too. All right, that was our one hour two. I guess Nevada, Nevada's Democratic Party is soliciting help from one of the largest tech companies in Silicon Valley. They want to steer clear of repeating the drama that took place in Iowa. That's what put the Iowa caucuses in disarray, they claim. Officials are relying on what they call a caucus calculator. Listen carefully to me. On a Google portal. Yeah. So listen, Iowa melted down because they used some app that was tied to Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama's teams, right? Inside Democrat-esque, if you will. They created a new app. The app didn't go well. Nobody tested it well enough. It just melted down, they claim. I believe it was intentional. But now, <clears throat> to save themselves from the fiasco of that, they're going to go to a Google portal. Now, listen to me. Officials are relying on what's called a caucus calculator on a Google portal to solve the problem. Remember, Google's the one that manipulates everything, folks. And now they're blatantly admitting they're going to a Google portal and they're going to use a caucus calculator. I'm telling you right now, it isn't going to go well. They may, in the news, make it seem like it went well to put Google in the prime spot for election manipulation. That's possible, but I'm telling you right now, that isn't going to go well. Um, if you've watched the documentary called The Creepy Line, you will never trust Google again. Go watch it. Check it out. 
remember who told you the truth. All right, there you have that. We also talked about an AMAC. That's the uh, American uh, Mature Citizen Group, AMAC, right? AMAC.us, AMAC.us. Great people, great organization. I'm a lifetime member and highly recommend you become one as well. But anyway, AMAC had an online poll, and they say this. Who would be the greatest threat or the greatest opponent, most formidable opponent, to President Trump? Huh? AMAC.us, if you want to check it out. But they say Bloomberg is in the lead. Yeah, they say there's a big shift also in Bloomberg and Biden in Florida. The former New York City mayor is now number one in Florida. After a huge advertising campaign, he's upset Joe Biden. Michael Bloomberg's 2020 strategy is paying off. In the early states, he ignored them all, and he's now pouring money into Florida. Yeah, this is serious, folks. Here comes Michael Bloomberg. Now there's even, um, well, over the weekend, Drudge got credit for saying, hey, there's a good chance that Bloomberg's going to pick Hillary for his VP pick. Folks, I've been telling you this before Drudge ever even thought about it. Folks, go listen to the last, I don't know, 90 days of programs. I've mentioned that Bloomberg might pick Michelle Obama, might pick Hillary Clinton, might pick uh, Joe Biden, might pick several people. He's got to get enough oomph, if you will, to become relevant in a hurry. What will he do to do that? Is it just money or does he have other strategies up his sleeve? Time will tell. I'm glad Drudge gets the credit. I don't need the credit, but I've been saying this before Drudge ever even thought about it, folks. Democratic Democratic presidential candidate Michael Bloomberg has written, risen to the top of the Florida poll now. That's the latest sign that his Super Tuesday strategy is going to gain ground. All right. Federal prosecutors have decided not to. They have declined to charge former FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe. They closed the investigation about him lying. So when Donald says he's going to drain the swamp and put people in jail, no one's going to jail, folks. Except for maybe uh, Roger Stone and Bloomberg and, I'm sorry, Roger Stone and, and Trump and all the good guys might go to jail. Now, I'm not telling you Roger Stone's perfect. I'm just telling you, compared to Andrew McCabe, who flat out lied, compared to the FBI and the Justice Department and, and the Democrats who lied about Donald Trump and Russia for years, Compared to the folks that put Adam Bundy behind bars for two years and lied and got caught by the judge lion. And now the outrageous sentencing of Roger Stone is an article written by World Affairs Brief, Charles Skousen. Basically talking about, you know what, Roger may not be a great guy, but compared to what the Democrats have done, compared to what the inside swamp monsters have done, Hillary Clinton flat out violating, uh, you know, privacy laws when it comes to classified information, etc. Selling uranium to Russia. We can go on. To Barack Obama spying on Donald Trump's candidacy, right on down to now this thug Andrew McCabe literally lied before the FBI, and now we're not going to charge any of these people. No one's draining any swamps anywhere, folks, as far as I can see. Barr says attacks from Trump making work impossible. Trump responds after Barr's, quote, surprise criticism. President declares the legal right to speak out about this, and he declares the right to deal with the, uh, the attorney general and help him understand how to handle cases, etc. I mentioned that I believe this big old battle between Donald Trump and Barr is bogus. Uh, whenever they want to escalate or elevate something, they do. And then they change the focus to it's something you're not 
thinking about. For example, Lou Dobbs now jumps in. Fox Business host that he he criticizes Barr and says he's disappointed in Barr and defending Trump. And, you know, it goes on and on and on. But I'm telling you right now, folks, they are creating all kinds of stuff in the news to just deceive you and lead you astray. Beware of that, okay? All right, that's a recap. On to news that news that was refused to use. It all starts now. And our buddy Lowell Nelson, campaign for liberty.org, is back in the house. Welcome, sir. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. All right. Good to be with you. Thank you, sir. You got a bunch of stories to talk about education. <laughs> and uh, we're going to start out with Utah, specifically a place called Utah County, which is where I live. It's got about 700,000 people in it. And uh, I guess they're wanting to raise taxes. Isn't that a constant quest of theirs, to raise taxes on us all? Well, it sure seems to be, Sam. <clears throat> Turned out last December, we uh, our county commission, by a two-to-one vote, increased our taxes by two-thirds. <clears throat> so the county portion of your property tax here in Utah County will go up 67.4%, to be precise. So for, you know, uh, a lot of people, you know, who paid, say they paid uh, $2,000 in property taxes, $150 of that went to the county. So unless we can defeat this increase, then property taxes to the county will be 250 next year. Uh, well, the, the current year, because we pay them in November in, here in Utah County. So if you live in Utah County, then I would invite you to help us gather signatures on a referendum petition, because uh, if we get enough signatures on the referendum petition, then we push this question of a tax increase to the November ballot, where upon all Utah County citizens, you know, registered voters will be able to decide whether or not they want to impose on themselves this tax increase. So um, that's the value of a referendum. Basically, it gives the citizens a chance to nullify bad legislation, which I think this is bad. If you want to help, go to rejecttaxincrease.com. That website, again, is rejecttaxincrease.com. There you can learn how you can sign the petition yourself, and, of course, you can also carry packets of petition signatures yourself, gathering them from your neighbors and help us amass the signatures we need to put this question on the ballot in November, Sam. Do you know how much uh, Utah County, Utah County Commissioner makes, Lowell? It's about 100 grand. 120 grand, buddy. Yeah. They made 81,000 in 2016. They gave themselves a big old whop and raise. Now they make 120 grand each, buddy. Wow. Had no idea it went up that much. Yeah. And so then these guys are going to raise taxes, what, so they can ask for themselves to get a raise again? Well, look, they make well over, they make about triple what the average American makes, sir. Wow. That's, uh, that's incredible, Sam. We got that, That's one of the reasons that, uh, we got to shut them down, limit limit what they get, because they will spend every penny they get from us. We got to stop them, we got to limit them, and that's what this referendum will do. Some are trying to change the structure of government to more of a mayor um, you know, situation instead of this county commission of three and stuff like that. Uh, well, let's talk about that real quick. We'll finish up on taxes. We've got a whole lot to discuss. This is Liberty Roundtable Live. Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org on your radio.
The spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues that affect the American West, its people, lifestyles, lands, and wildlife. The Loving Liberty Radio Network is proud to support the publisher's efforts to provide an active forum for solutions that preserve the vanishing American cowboy, farmer, and sheep herder. Each issue contains informative articles on life in the American West, along with breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of the cowboy spirit in our day. Each issue of Range Magazine also features great gift ideas, like the 2020 Real Buckaroo Calendar and the book Tales from Out There. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Just click on the shopping cart. The Loving Liberty Radio Network salutes the spirit of the American West and those who are keeping it alive at Range Magazine. You've heard the name Lavoie Finicum. Now, hear Lavoie Finicum in his own words. Honor the Republic. Uphold this Constitution. Let us quit talking. Please take peaceful action. That is why I'm here. Liberty Hall Lectures presents Dead Man Talking, screening and fundraiser. Come together with us to view the newly completed DVD series, Lavoie, Dead Man Talking, Episode 2, Friday, February 28th at 6 p.m. at Liberty Hall in Far West Utah. Come meet Lavoie Finicum widow Jeanette. Learn about her mission to bring about justice for the wrongful murder of her husband. That's Friday, February 28th, 6 p.m. at Liberty Hall, 3677 North Highway 126 in Far West Utah. There's no need to RSVP. Admission is free and your generous donations are appreciated. Join us Friday, February 28th at 6 p.m. at Liberty Hall. This event is sponsored by One Cowboy Stand for Freedom, the Center for Self-Governance, and the Loving Liberty Radio Network. So they're trying to change the structure of government from a commission base. There's three commissioners in Utah County, Utah right now. They want to change it to a mayor. And then what do they have with a mayor? What are those other guys called? <laughs> are they commissioners, Lol? Yeah, they're commissioners, yeah. So what it would be, though, is the mayor would do the day-to-day, and the commissioners would then become part-time and get paid part-time. Uh, as opposed to full-time $120,000 a year guys. Uh, but when you figure out a mayor and then they'd have more commissioners usually, they change it from like three to five or seven or something like that. And the idea is that, hey, you get more representation because your commissioner deals with less citizens and you get a chance to deal with your commissioner more. Many people say to put too much power in the hands uh, of the mayor. Any quick comment on that, first law? Yeah, I agree, Sam. Uh, basically, if you look at uh, Salt Lake County, that's the form of government they have there in, in their county. It's a the mayor council form of government or council manager form, one of the two, I don't know which, but they have, they have this, this mayor, manager, whatever he is, plus the seven. Yeah, they have a mayor, then a city manager. <clears throat> yeah, and then each of the seven have a deputy commissioner, and then, of course, they all have clerks and, and so forth that work for them. So the proof is in the pudding. Salt Lake County is one of the most expensive county governments in the state, whereas Utah County, which has three commissioners, is one of the least expensive county governments in the state. And we want to keep it that way. We really do. Now, when you think about it, Sam, there are fewer than 10,000 people who live in the unincorporated area of the county. And by far, the majority of the people who move into Utah County, they, they flow into this county, but they move into municipalities, which bear the burden of that increased population, not the county. The county, they still have the same you know, road miles of road to, to, to maintain and and so forth, but they don't need... Well, they still get their county portion of the taxes, nevertheless. 
Right, they do. Plus, all of these people who are moving in, they're chipping in their portion of, of property taxes into the county tax bucket. And so, you know, it, it, um, it's usually the economies of scale. The more people you got, the, the smaller per, per capita the cost of government should be. So it's, you know, I, I guess we can ameliorate that a little bit with the inflation, but I don't know. To me, it seems ridiculous to be giving them an increase. Well, they say this, the Utah County Commission is responsible for levying taxes, adopting ordinances, and making policy. No offense, but uh, I don't know that I want any of that. <laughs> no. Uh, anyway, I bring this all up, though, because no wonder they're so hungry for money. Hundred twenty grand a person. Uh, it's just out of control, expensive. Uh, I do think we need to somehow reduce the size and scope of government. And I personally would have these commissioners make a whole lot less money. The question is, do you want to take a break from your day-to-day life and serve government? Or are you there because you're on a career path? Are you there because you're on a step to the next ladder? Are you there because it you know, pay, pays dang well? well? What are your purposes for being there? Do you, do you feel like government's not doing what it needs to be, and so you're going to say, I'm going to take two years of my life or whatever it is and, and put in my two cents to straighten government out or have it carry out a specific purpose or function, and then I'm going to get back to my normal life? Is that your mentality? Or is your mentality like, hey, you know what? I've worked in the government for 22 years as a this or that, and now the next step is for me to be a commissioner and make more money, and I'm up on the career ladder. Kind of, we got to decide what we want out of our government officials, Lowell. That's for sure, Sam. No question about that. Now, I'm a big fan of the county sheriff. I'm a big fan of the county clerk. Uh, there are some duties that a county um, you know, official has, and, uh, and so I will always be a strong advocate for, for a sheriff and, 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 uh, and, and a clerk. That um, as far as increasing the number of commissioners, I think that is foolish and, uh, and myopic. I really don't think we need to go there. And one of the bills in front of the legislature is being sponsored by our representative, Brady Brammer, uh, wherein they, he wants to make any county whose population is 500,000 or more, wants to require them to operate under a council form or a council manager form of government. And um, this bill was held in committee. Uh, last week, thankfully, but uh, we do not want this thing to take wings and, and fly because uh, we, we should have the choice of self-determination. It's fundamental to who we are as Americans. We should be able to choose our form of government here in Utah County. We don't need state legislatures telling us what form of government we need to have, Sam. And most importantly, if we're going to rein in taxes, folks, it's going to start with who we have in charge and what they do. In my opinion, for raising themselves from eighty-one thousand to one hundred and twenty grand, literally tripling what the average salary is in America. Okay, uh, I'm telling you right now, that's just out of control. We ought to let every one of those three county commissioners go and say we'll get people who will vote to reduce their salary. I get that if they're serving in the government, they need to support their families, but we got to take away this career incentive. Uh, and secondarily, I don't know that we need full-time commissioners anyway. Do we have that many ordinances, that much to increase taxes, that much policy to deal with? If we do, at that level, there's something wrong. Yeah, that's exactly right. I uh, I don't think, I mean, if you talk to Bill Lee, who's the commissioner who voted against this increase, there's a two-to-one vote. Bill Lee outlined in great detail how we could continue to operate as a county using current revenues without growing them and uh, still offer, offering the same level of services as before. So um, I know it can be done. We don't have to accept this increase. Let's put it down. Let's sign this referendum petition. Let's get this question on the ballot for November of this year. 
and let's uh, let's put it to bed. Put it, uh, you know. Basically. And the last point to be made, and I bring this up even though we're using a local county in Utah to make the points. This is true all across the country, folks. Beware, get involved, know your commissioners, know your county sheriff, understand uh, the type of government you have, and use your influence to reduce the size and scope at all times. Uh, but in Utah County, they said there's about a thousand people pouring in new to the county per month. Uh, that's a lot of people. Uh, so the county's growing big time. That's not to mention all the local births and other things that take place there. But they want a Utah property tax increase referendum. That's the people because they feel like their commissioners and, and, and others have raised taxes wrongfully. Rejectstaxincrease.com is where you got to go for that. But I say one is a referendum, and that might not be a bad idea. There's debates on the constitutionality of some of those referendums. But I would say this. You know what? Kick those commissioners out and get people who will do the job right and who will vote for lower taxes and who have an eye towards smaller government, not bigger. That's the real long-term answer, Lowell. Yeah, and one note on that. Uh, I, I am a believer in a referendum because it nullifies. It's, uh, it's a nullification of bad law. It's the initiative which where we really get into trouble. We're trying to basically that's a democratic institution, and I don't agree that that's the best way to go. I, I believe a, a Republican uh, form of government is the best way to initiate legislation, but I do. Uh, uh, I'm a strong advocate of of a, of a referendum on you know in order to kill bad legislation. I think that's a reasonable approach to nullification. Understood. All right. So another idea on education. This is a state Utah bill they're trying to put in place. HB 14. What's it called? School absentee and truism amendments. Right. That's right, Sam. Um, so let's just start out and set the stage. The reason this is a discussion is because we have compulsory education, right? Exactly. Yeah, and that's the, 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 the context or the pretext for this bill is this idea that we have compulsory education. And so this is basically rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. You're going to tweak the truancy and, um, and, and absenteeism uh, definitions politely. And, and so, yeah, this is probably a good thing. I mean, if you're on that ship, if you believe in compulsory education, then what uh, this bill is doing is a good thing. Basically, for example, you know, in some school districts, if you miss one class, you're, you're, you're deemed truant for the whole day, right? And so that counts against you as a whole day of truancy, even though you missed this one class. Maybe you got up a little bit late or had to fix a flat tire on the way to school or something, missed it. Miss the first class. Well, you're truant the whole day. Or even go to a dentist appointment in the middle of the day and take your lunch time and maybe part of or a whole period before or after it to get it done, whatever, right? Yeah, whatever, yeah. And so this bill says, look, we're going to define truancy for, in, in one way for the whole state. And, and you know, so from that point of view, uh, it, it is an incremental improvement to the current law. It, it is not intended. It is, but you better be careful because pretty soon they might apply it to private schools too. It would take the stroke of a pen to do that, and pretty soon you're off to the races to real trouble. <laughs> for sure. That's for sure. So, so I get yeah. the idea they're getting at here. They're saying, look, instead of it being so hardcore and forced, let's make it a little bit more polite, a little bit more reasonable, a little bit more, and let's make sure that it's that way across the state. It sounds really good. And I, I agree that it's probably incrementally moving a little bit in the right direction. But it could backfire quickly if we eventually let them paint a broader brush for choice in education. Then it could affect way more than we expected, and it could backfire. And another danger is that if we make it so easy and convenient to be in the public school system, parents are less likely to take their children in, out of the public education system. And, you know, some people... Yeah, I think Joel Skousen's among them. He says, well, if it gets so bad, people will quit 
taken their children to the public schools, and that would be the very best outcome. And so, you know, there's some truth to that, too. Um, so I don't know which way to go on this. I, I guess I, if I were in the legislature, I would probably vote for this bill. But the bottom line is, is that you know, compulsory education is, is a terrible idea. It's destructive of freedom, and uh, we should just, you know, just throw it all away to begin with. Instead yeah, the compulsory, and that's why I started out with that discussion, is really the problem. Wouldn't you embrace compulsory education? That's the bane of learning and freedom, folks. You know what? There's not a whole lot of good downstream answers. Okay? It's kind of like when you talk about abortion. When you agree to murder babies, there's not really good discussions about how, when, who, where, what. Okay? Let's talk about it. Sam Lowell and Kurt in seconds. Pursuing liberty. Using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. Over 1,100 former Justice Department workers calling for Attorney General Bill Barr to resign over his handling of the Roger Stone case. The department intervened in the sentencing of the longtime Trump associate, knocking down the sentence prosecutors initially recommended for his conviction on obstruction of justice, lying to Congress, and witness tampering. In that open letter to Barr, the ex-DOJ workers say he and President Trump have damaged the department's reputation and integrity. Three topless female protesters interrupting Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders and an appearance in Carson City, Nevada yesterday. They complained about dairy industry subsidies and poured milk on themselves before security took them away. Sanders taking the interruption in stride, telling a crowd... This is USA Radio News. Here is some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance or if you sign up for a plan that you're just not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. It's the affordable alternative to health insurance. And it's worked beautifully for 25 years. They have more than 400,000 members now around the country. MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry. And over the years, members have shared over $3 billion of each other's medical bills. So they could help share your needs too. And best of all, you could save a lot of money with MediShare. The typical savings for a family is about 500 bucks a month. Your savings could be more or less, but think about what you could do with that extra money every month. You're not stuck with a high-cost health plan. You can join MediShare anytime, so call them today and check it out. Here's the number to find out more, and there's no pressure. They are super easy to talk to. Call 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. A new NASCAR season got underway yesterday. It was the Great American Race, and it will have to be finished today because of yesterday's weather. But President Trump was part of the opening ceremonies, as we hear from USA Radio's Robin Walensky. There's a military flyover in Florida at the Daytona 500, where President Trump, the Grand Marshal. For 500 heart-pounding miles... These fierce competitors will chase the checkered flag. He speaks to the crowd with wife Melania by his side and then takes a historic lap around the track in the Beast, his bulletproof black presidential limo. He also asks the folks at NASCAR for a radio and speaks directly to the drivers. Listen. Drivers, this is President Trump. It was an honor to open the Daytona 500. Have a phenomenal day. Have a great race. Be safe. Due to the weather, the race called off and 
Instead, it's scheduled for Monday afternoon. And this is USA Radio News. Looks like there's probably 50 million students in the United States who are compelled by compulsory education laws in their state. Christine Smith with a scathing review of compulsory education. Uh, This is serious business, folks. Compulsory education, the bane of learning uh, in America these days. It's all by force. Where's the free choice folks or the pro-choice folks when you need them, sir? (laughs) <laughs> That's a great question. Another great question, Sam, is, you know, we go uh, recite the Pledge of Allegiance every morning in these public schools, and that pledge ends with the words, the phrase, uh, with liberty and justice for all, and yet we're compelling students, we're forcing them to attend school. Does that sound like liberty approach to you? Are you exercising your liberty when you're compelled or forced to attend a a government propaganda compound, Sam? It's just, it's just incongruent to me. It just doesn't make sense. It's like exporting, you know, freedom to the world at the point of the, or with the barrel of a gun. You know, we're, we're, it's like the U.S. regime walking into to Iraq and saying, okay, we're going to force you guys to, to have freedom here. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it's not congruent. And uh, so these 50 million, and it's not one five million, it's five zero million, I just wanted to, to, to clarify that, 50 million That's right, 50 million children. Compelled by compulsory attendance laws in their state to attend school. That's huge. And we call ourselves a free country. Huh. Most Well, and the problem is even parents like me who don't have a single kid in the government schools and never have are forced to pay too. So it's yeah, compulsory it's, on more than just the children. That's, 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 that's the big problem. Uh, number one, it's, um, it, it violates the liberty of, of taxpayers and students. Not only are students compelled to attend, but taxpayers are compelled at the barrel of a gun right, to pay the taxes which fund the, 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 uh, the attendance of all of these students at these public propaganda compounds. And so it, it's just, it is not freedom. It's not liberty. And uh, we really ought to reject that, folks. We need to... Uh, man, just reject that outright. It's like Ron Paul in the campaign trail in 2007. They would ask him, well, would you lower taxes? He says, huh, I would get rid of the IRS. I'd get rid of the income tax entirely, completely, right? I mean, that's the real answer, is to get rid of compulsory education laws entirely. When you, when you look at our history, Sam, from the various earliest days of our, of our, of, of the, of our history, our, our country function very well without compulsory education laws. I mean, how many hundred years did we go until the first state came along and said, well, we probably ought to compel our, our, our children to go to school, right? Yeah, we really had compulsory education in America for about 120 years or so. So you think it happened at the uh, turn of the century? Like about. Like Yeah, I, I, you know, I know that 1910s kind of when it really kicked off. I'm not saying we didn't have flashes of it before that, but it was a big fight, kind of like the banking industry. For a long time, they fought against it and knew how wrong it was and stopped it and stopped it and stopped it. They did the same thing with education, but eventually lost the battle. Uh, And sadly, even today, uh, back 50 years ago, halfway through that, you know, reign of terror of education compulsory abuse, um, 
you know, they they had the Equal Rights Amendment, which really was backed by teachers unions and teachers. And I mean, it was a big government education push backed by all the government employees tied to government unions, some of the biggest unions uh, on the globe. And this is a serious problem. Now it comes back to haunt us today, 50 years later, even, Lowell. <laughs> the result, one of the results of this is that the socialist ideas, which are um, everywhere. They're pervasive in our public schools, socialist, collectivist ideas. Uh, this really kind of explains why so many people today reach out to government with their hands out to government for, for solutions, for handouts, for money, for free education, for free health care, for free this, for free that, uh, because they've been taught this in the public uh, schools, Sam, and it's criminal because we're crippling our own children by teaching them this drivel, um, thinking that, you know, they can, you know, it's okay to be a drone uh, and live off your neighbor. I mean, the grasshoppers and the ants, right? I mean, it's that story all over again. And um, that's just another bad outcome and adverse consequence of of, uh, these public schools, these propaganda camps, Sam. And now they're continuing under this, quote, Equal Rights Amendment, we need to talk about why uh, House U.S. House Joint Resolution 79 is wrong. It was wrong then, and it's wrong now, though. <laughs> well, you covered this on your show last week, Sam. The U.S. House approved HBR 79, this is House Joint Resolution 79, which extends the deadline for the ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment indefinitely. Now, um, the Equal Rights Amendment was HBR 208, uh, of, in 1972, right? That's Jimmy Carter years, I believe. Anyway, back then, HCR uh, 208 was the resolution that Congress put before the states, and, and, and that resolution itself said that, uh, that it would only become effective if 38 states ratified it within seven years. Okay, so any state... And, and now, let's be Congress, clear, and then they had to extend that, and they still failed. Yeah, they extended it uh, three more years until 1982, and they still failed. Not a single state after that extension ratified it. Now, here it comes up again. People want to extend, and, and the House actually did this. Congressman John Curtis and, and, uh, and U.S. Representative John Curtis and Representative Ben McAdams, both from the state of Utah, voted to extend the deadline indefinitely. So there's basically no deadline on this Equal Rights Amendment proposal. And uh, what nobody's talking about, Sam, is the, is, is the concept that when a bill is changed, if you even change a period or a comma or the capitalization of a word within a bill, it becomes a new proposal. You cannot... And, and the reason for that, just so people are clear, because a bill is a contract. And any contract that's changed has to be reapproved, no matter how minor or major it is. And that's why mortgage brokers and insurance people and everything else, even if a date's wrong on a document, they're not allowed to go back and change that date. They got to go back and say whoever created the document needs to update it and sign it and resend it. And people think that's way belligerent and overboard. The problem is you get into this. Well, it was only a minor change. Well, who debates a minor change? Uh, and so you got to always have this fiduciary responsibility to be. Very clear in contracts, not to create double contracts, not to change one jaunt or tittle uh, of the contract. If you do, uh, it's problems. Okay, so there's a fine line set for a reason is the point I'm getting at. 
It's not that, well, if there's a comma out of place, that's a bad thing. But if I change a comma, what if I just change a word? You know what? There's a typo here. They probably meant this word. What if I was wrong and it changes the whole meaning of the contract? Okay, so that's why there's such a fine line. I just wanted to explain that to people because when I was a mortgage broker and, and, and in real estate and everything else, people would say, oh, my gosh, I put the wrong date on that. Can you just update that date? And the answer is no. And you would say, Sam, you're, you're come on, buddy. This is a pain. I'm out and about so, showing houses. I just don't have time to change this. And it's got to get it. Just change this for me real quick. No. The answer is I'm not going to do it. And, and you could say that's simple. But I want to be able to get on the stand and say, I have never, ever, ever edited or changed a document, period. If I do it once, then the question is, well, okay, so you changed the date on a document. Did you ever change a word? Did you ever change a comma? And once you start doing it, the problem is it's a slippery slope. I want to be able to clearly say, no, it never happened. I didn't do it. I don't have to think back when it was okay, when it wasn't, when it was mm, a good idea versus when it was, oh, well, I meant well. I mean, I, I didn't mean to. I, okay, if I've never done it, I clearly say, no, it did not happen, period. I don't got to debate it or think about it or worry about it or be concerned because I just didn't do it. And so that sounds like a crazy fine line, but it's that way for a reason. Go ahead, sir. Well, absolutely right, Sam. Um, you, uh, and that's a great example, a great analogy why you never, uh, you know, add a, add a period or a comma or change a word. I mean, think of the impact of, of inserting the word not in a contract, right? Yeah, or imagine if it was an address and I just uh, put the, well, the guy said he put the wrong number and I changed the number. Now it was a house that it wasn't supposed to be and I'm the one that did it or whatever. All I'm telling you is these teeny, that could just be one number. Yeah. It could be, okay, and so it, simple, a dollar sign, a zero, a, you know what, Sam, come on, you know that house wasn't meant to be sold for $29, right? Just put a couple <laughs> extra zeros on there, Sam. Okay, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm telling you, it's not going to happen. I will not do it. And that's the fiduciary responsibility. And these professionals do understand and know that, by the way. And if they don't, they ought to be fired. Uh, and, and, and the problem here is that Congress has played fast and loose with this concept. They, over 100 years ago, they began doing stuff um, that uh, you know, a mortgage broker would never think to do. I mean, you, Sam, maybe some mortgage brokers do, but, but you, Sam, as a mortgage broker, would never do this, change the contract after it's been signed, and yet that's exactly what Congress is doing here. Think about it. If you were one of the states, say you have the state of Maine, for example, and you ratified the Equal Rights Amendment in 1972 or 3 or 5 or whatever, and that, that, uh, at that time you ratified it, it said that uh, only if 38 states total ratified it would it become law. Well, then... Then, then you you ratified it with the understanding that if 38 states did not do it, then it would fall on the floor. It would not become law. So there's no way 20, 30 years later you can now go back and say, oh, they really meant to ratify it. My grandchildren would be the ones to say that it continues. Are you kidding me right now? That's what they're doing, folks. Hang tight. for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. 
How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3 founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. I'd invite Mr. Trump to stop whining and go try to make his case to get votes. The press has created a rigged system. They even want to try and rig the election. Well, I tell you what, it, it helps in Ohio that we got uh, Democrats in charge of the machines. And poisoned the mind of so many of our voters. At the polling booths, where so many cities are corrupt and voter fraud is all too common. And then they say, oh, there's no voter fraud in our country. I come from Chicago. So, so I want to be honest. It's not as if it's just Republicans who have monkeyed around with elections in the past. Sometimes Democrats have to. You know, whenever people are in power, they're, you know, they have this tendency to try to, you know, tilt things in their direction. There's no one. You start whining before the game's even over. Whenever things are going badly for you and you lose, you start blaming somebody else. Then you don't have what it takes to be in this job. Hey, Sam, can you just check that box? I know I had the box checked that the house had a swimming pool, but um, this one doesn't. It was the last contract that did, and everybody knows it doesn't have a swimming pool. Can you just cross that out for me, Sam, there? Not going to do it, ladies and gentlemen. They're doing that kind of stuff. It's insanity. But they're doing it literally 50 years later. You're talking about grandchildren involved in government now compared to who did it in the first place, lol. Insanity. <laughs> well, it reminds me of the law that never was, <clears throat> Sam, a book by... William Benson, well, more than a book. I mean, he did two or three years of rock-solid research, uh, painstaking research into the law that never was. He's talking about Amendment 16, which uh, purportedly gave Congress the right to tax incomes directly. Um, well, there are four states, and, and I, I use probably old news to a lot of people, Sam, but I, if, if there's anybody new to this movement that's never heard about The Law That Never Was, they really need to read the book, The Law That Never Was, by William Benson. Um, in it, he proved conclusively that the 16th Amendment was never ratified. Even though Secretary of State Philander Knox claimed it was ratified, four states uh, among the 38, which uh, uh, Knox claimed uh, had ratified the thing, California, Kentucky, Minnesota, Oklahoma, just listen to this, for, for example. In California, the legislature never recorded a vote on the proposals to adopt the amendment. In Kentucky, the Senate voted on the resolution but rejected it by a vote of 9 in favor and 22 opposed. And, and yet Knox says, well, Kentucky ratified it. So that's clearly not ratified it. Well, and there's no signature from the governor either. Yeah, and in Minnesota, the state sent nothing to the Secretary of State in Washington. In Oklahoma, the Senate amended the language of the 16th Amendment to have a precisely opposite meaning, right? They probably inserted the word not in there or something, and that's what they ratified. So anyway, there, there, there are 22 states that approved the amendment but changed the wording. One state changed the spelling. 31 states changed capitalization. 27 states approved the amendment but with a change in punctuation. I mean, these are things that an honest mortgage broker would never think of doing. I think I just put one line in there that Sam gets all the cash. Just, just <laughs> Sam gets all the cash. Just one little line. 
just one little tiny change. Yeah, Darn right. Small font and everything. You don't even need to capitalize my name, baby. Okay, I'm just saying that's the kind of insanity. And the bottom line is, folks, it doesn't matter if you're for ERA or not. You should be against this because what we're talking about is the fundamental proper role of government. They have no authority 50 years later to extend this. It's DOA. It expired once. Uh, it was going to expire once they extended it. It's already passed the time by 50 years. Okay, almost 50 years, I should say. Not quite. But you've got to understand this and say, hey, based on principle, we're not going to go for it. Now, if you want to talk about starting an equal rights amendment again and discuss it fresh and put a whole new, you know, tinker toys together for the cause, okay, by all means, you have every right to do that. What you don't have the right to do is basically try to take advantage and man- manipulate your way into forcing this uh, to become law. Anyway, enough on that, but shame on them. And again, stand against it, folks. I'm against the ERA in the first place because uh, I believe it actually um, promotes women and puts them on a pedestal above men and manipulates things way beyond what uh, equal rights would call for. But that's a whole other uh, discussion. Bring our troops home is a theme we've been talking about for literally decades on the radio, and it continues now. Ron Paul interviews Idaho Governor. What is it, Janice McKeegan? Yeah, Lieutenant Governor Janice McGeehan, actually, I guess. Oh, Lieutenant Governor, okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, Yeah, it was a great interview. It it came just two or three, a couple days after we talked about it last week, Sam, this this movement to bring our troops home, uh, which uh, you can get more information at bringourtroopshome.us, a great website. Um, Turns out that the Lieutenant Governor in Idaho is a huge advocate for a Defend the Guard Act. He's been... Uh, she went back and talked to a number of, I mean, they had like a conference of, of legislators or state uh, uh, officials, and she was there promoting this idea. And it's growing, Sam. There's a growing movement among among a number of, of, of people all over the country and many, many, and almost all of the states advocating this Defend the Guard Act. Now, it's not going to shut down, you know, military. If, if a young man or a young woman joins the military, but not the National Guard, like joins the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, whatever, they would not be affected by this. But anybody, anybody who joined the, the National Guard in the state, and basically they answer to the governor of that state, well, the Defend the Guard Act would prevent the governor from allowing, basically it would prohibit him from sending those men and women into a combat zone unless, Congress declared war, and uh, and this is fantastic development, Sam. This is states standing up, taking responsibility, and putting the the general government back into its constitutional cage. Um, George Washington was was not ambiguous on this on this point. He said it is our true policy to steer clear of permanent alliance with any portion of the foreign world. President Jefferson has said peace, commerce, and honest friendship with all nations entangling alliances with none. President Monroe formalized this policy in the Monroe Doctrine, which all of the school children know about the Monroe Doctrine. The very first point of this doctrine says the U.S. will not interfere in the internal affairs or wars of other nations. Wow. Howdy. Just look at the difference between that policy and our current policy. Because sadly, we have abandoned the founders' intentions, folks, we are, are currently engaged and have been engaged for the last 50, 75 years in undeclared wars around the globe at, the, at a great cost. So lives, treasure, time. And we basically for, have forgotten Ben Franklin's wise counsel 
there never was a good war or a bad peace. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've read that statement, Sam. There never was a good war or a bad peace. Well, it's time to leave Afghanistan, leave Iraq, leave Yemen, leave Syria. We need to stop engaging in these undeclared wars and, and in our attempts to police the world. We should not be sacrificing American lives intervening in the conflicts of other nations, Sam. We simply can't afford it, and it's morally wrong. All right, bring our troops home, ladies and gentlemen. Got to do it. Got to do it now. We've been working on this forever, and we still continue the drumbeat for solutions and peace every time. The U.S. Taliban, I should say the U.S. and the Taliban agree to a truce. Uh, Sounds good, Lowell. Is it good? I'm a little skeptical of this, that this report came from the Associated Press. But, you know, I'll take... Um, and they call it a way forward in Afghanistan. In my mind, we don't need to get a truce. We just need to get out, okay? And yeah. What I mean is a truce or a ceasefire, or those things never hold, and they always, quote, put us, quote, in charge or get a mandate that it actually happens or we got to be there or stay there to follow through. It sounds good, but I, I think the devil's in the details on this one, Lowell. That's my, my take. Otherwise, we just simply march out just like we marched in, and we say, you know, I hope you guys quit firing each other. It would really be good. If you want to join the greatest economy in the world, please do. Uh, quit fighting and let's let's you know and join the League of Nations, not the League of Nations, but join the, the group of uh, people around the world that are willing to freely trade and, and fairly trade with one another. And okay, that's the leadership we should provide. Hey, here's a copy of the Constitution. As we march out, we give them a copy of the Constitution. There's ways forward, but I just don't think that us negotiating and then following this mandated, agreed to whatever is the answer. I don't I don't think it's the answer, Lowell. Well, totally right, Sam. You're totally right. Um, you know, but this is. The way, you know, from a pragmatic point of view, this kind of way that these conflicts end, and if it, if it takes this type of a process to end our, our involvement in Afghanistan, to get us out of there, then, then, then I'll support it. But, yeah, my response know, is if it, if it really could happen, I would support it. I just, my experience says it never happens. Yeah, yeah you're, you're right. I mean, we've had uh, up to 100,000 troops in Afghanistan. That was the peak uh, number in 2011. And how many peace fires and ceasefires and truces and hold up and this and that you know have we had right? Yeah, and we're down to now about between 12 and 13 thousand uh, men and women over there. Uh, let's look at a couple of the details of this uh, so-called truce, uh, which proves, by the way, that it really is a war. I mean, if you're going to use the word truce, basically you're admitting that this is a war. Um, the Taliban said, yeah, okay, we'll stop uh, with the suicide bombings and the rocket attacks and stuff like that. If, you, if you'll take 4,000 of your people out immediately and you'll release the 5,000 prisoners that, uh, that you've got, then we'll, we'll, we'll consider the deal. So I, I don't know that there's much, much hope. There's a sliver of hope there for it. Our prayers are for success, folks. I don't mean to be a naysayer. I'm just telling you that how many times can something sound good and go wrong before you say, I don't know that I trust it this time. That's all. We pray that it goes well for sure. We really do. And and we really ought to be praying for the heads of state of all of the countries in this world. Help them find amicable solutions, political solutions, peaceful solutions to the uh, the conflicts they face. I mean, most people of the world, 95% of the people, maybe 99% of the people of the world, all we want is peace. We want the opportunity to, to live and grow and watch our children uh, to grow up in a, in a relatively peaceful world. We don't want war. And like Ben Franklin said, man, there's never been 
a bad peace and there never was a good war. We just need to, to reject war. We just need to come home, bring the troops home. Uh, we don't need to be, uh, you know, making all these agreements and arrangements and, and stuff. Just like Sam said, these truces, let's just walk out of there and, uh, and come home. Sam. And people say, well, we can't just do that, Sam. And my response is, you walked uh, right in there now. You can walk out. And don't tell me you can't do it. It can be done. Now, I agree. We've got to kind of you know, extract ourselves safely. Don't get me wrong. But we don't have to stay there. We don't have to be in charge of a peace treaty or this or that. It's not our business. Who would, who would justify us being in charge anyway? See, that's the problem with it. If you believe in the sovereignty of nations, what gives us the right to be in charge and create a, uh, um, a truce or a, quote, way forward? You know, who put us in charge? And, and, and at some point, are they going to respect us? And, and, hey, we don't even have peace on our own borders, people. Come on now. Think you're going to have peace over there when you can't have peace with Mexico? I mean, the border's like a war zone in Mexico right now. I've got friends down there that are literally have been on the border, and they're telling you it's like a war zone, man. Sex trafficking and drugs and dangerous is all get out. And then we think we're going to make it all safe and a truce over there. We're like, everybody's going to obey it? Okay. Good luck with that, folks. That's all I'm saying. All right, last story I want to get your take on really quick. Utah Senate passes bill to make daylight savings time year-round. They say if passed by the Utah House and signed by the Utah governor, the bill would still need action by Congress and at least four Western states before getting effect. They've, they've passed this thing, but it's so watered down and so useless, they'll never get all those hoops done. It's worthless, lol. Yeah. I don't know. I've, I've, I'm, uh, I have a farmer background, and I don't like the change back and forth in spring and summer. I'm sorry, spring and fall uh, back and forth because it just upsets the schedule. I mean, your animals get used to you going out at the same time every day and, and intending them and then here along comes the schedule change and it upsets it for it upsets your clock number one and then and then the animals uh they, they mystifies them for a, a week too so anyway. but why would we have to have the the house pass it then the governor sign it and then wait for the feds to sign something and then wait for four western states to go along first i mean this is insanity yeah, it's t- totally, uh, it, it, it's foolish, Sam. A state is sovereign. We should be able to do what we want to do. We don't need the approval of Congress to do this. We don't need the approval of other states to do it. There's a lot of things wrong with this picture, Sam. I think we ought to just nullify now and tell them to all fly a kite. We ought to just stay on one time zone and one time, uh, whatever you want to call it, and not change time. Just say that's how we're doing it. Other states are already on this plan, and we join them. Next. Yeah, absolutely right. Let's join the Arizona. Let's stay on the same time as Arizona and uh, forget all this other stuff. All right, Lowell. Godspeed, brother. Thank you so much for your preparation and your incredible delivery, sir. You're welcome. Yeah, good to be with you. Thanks for your show, guys. There he goes. Ladies and gentlemen, for Sam and Kurt and Lowell, we declare this nation shall endure.